0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amadon. And this is Kelly and Ramia.
2: Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald, And hoping you'll hang out today, some good conversation ahead on the program. You go. Tells me to say, yeah, of course, as usual, but you out there in the company are the judge of all that. Kelly McDonald here. Thanks, uh, really settling back here as we swing open the gateway to the weekend, wherever you're listening in around the world. Always absolutely wonderful to have you on board and... You know, I've always said that, that sometimes we, we just get into conversations and you never know as you ask the questions of the guests, as we get talking to anybody on the program, what, what way we're going to go with it. What, what, you know, what, what actually comes from it? So what a great way to settle back and, and educate. I love to learn. When I was in school, I wasn't that guy who was the reader. Learned everything by settling back with a book. And, and when the teacher sent assignments, I didn't really pick up on things as well as I would li- I had to focus too much on, you know, my reading and everything like that. So I always found it a bit painstaking. But, of course, listening to audio books or, or anyone reading to me when I was a kid just picked up on so much and always liked that, including descriptions and stuff that I didn't really have a concept of unless somebody was describing it to me or reading it. So definitely one of those kind of people. So learning for me was always that thing done by, by conversation. And speaking of that, as I said, we've got a lot ahead. Let's tell you a little bit what's coming up here today on Kelly and the Company. Okay, here we go. Let me find my spot here first. Uh, There's a spot of experimental earbuds that can find out if you have an ear infection and other medical conditions with just simply a, a chirp. We'll learn more with John Beeler when he's here for our app update. The Holland Blair View Kids Rehabilitation Hospital now has a tool to make it easier for communities to design an inclusive playground. Well, Karen McGee, she'll be along shortly. She'll have that for us. And do you pay attention to audio book cover art? Ryan Huey today in Hour 2 will highlight a, a conversation on Twitter that discussed this. Had a great conversation out there. We'll do that in Hour 2 on the Chatty Bookshelf when he joins us. Bill Shackleton he'll be along later on for the buzz, but he's along right now to visit with us as we kick the show off. Shaq, welcome back.
3: I'm here. How are you guys?
2: uh good man. Um The hey. other day, you settle in with uh, a bunch of staff, and we were teasing everybody on the show uh that that you know beforehand that some of you guys might go by and pick up some of these shirts that Greg David was describing to us, talking to us about on the show a m i shirts that were available for people to pick up. Which made me, knowing I was bringing you out here today, want to ask you the following question, Bill. When you were, uh, you know, picking up shirts or when mom and dad or friends or anybody gave you a gift and it was clothing, did you get a lot of those shirts with stuff written on them?
3: I did. And one of the things um, that I wanted to know was what does the thing say? Because you don't want to go out there and have it say something stupid. Yeah. Um, or something that you might be embarrassed by. But I remember one of the shirts that I got, which everybody got a kick of, was I never get lost. Everyone tells me where to go.
2: Right, right. Well, and... I mean, I, I was never one for these shirts, mainly because I, not being able to see enough, I might be able to see what on the front of the shirt uh, look like shapes or letters. Maybe, if it, depending on the background, I could read, oh, this is the so-and-so shirt. But I found that the most frustrating. So I would tell my parents, no, I don't want that shirt. Or if someone said, oh, here's a good-looking shirt, it says, I don't want that. Or it's got a picture of, no, I don't want that. Did you care or did you prefer, to, you didn't mind having these kinds of shirts?
3: As long as I knew what was on it, I didn't care. Wow, would you remember? Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't. I think I would. I wouldn't care as long as the shirt was good. I would. I don't remember what you know. I I wouldn't care what I put on as long as it. If it had to be written, if it had writing on it, I wanted to know that it was good. That it said something good. So I wouldn't. I didn't. I wouldn't remember which was which. But I wouldn't care as long as it was suitable, wearable.
2: I hated not knowing in a sense or having to say to someone who would say oh that's a cool sure oh great thank you uh which one is it i you know i i i didn't I got all embarrassed and thought, well, man, buddy, you got to retain this stuff. And I remember at one point having a bunch of these shirts and telling my family and everybody, please don't get me these things because I felt so silly not knowing. I mean, they're crazy enough, you know, I, I mean, all I wore as a kid like that is jeans and stuff. So it didn't matter of what it went with. It was just feeling silly as a blind person who wouldn't have a clue what was written on it. Now, some people totally memorize that wardrobe. Colors of shirts, whatever it might be, they have no problem with it. And some of them listening now will say, man, it's not that tough. Well this guy billy it was so that's oh, really yeah. cool that you didn't mind and and that and obviously you, as you say you don't want to walk into somewhere like school um you know with something that just doesn't fit or or something that they've said don't wear that kind of thing in here now i didn't have any of that kind of stuff but um you know i know some people have their their shirts that they just say look you know that rock artist with that crazy graphic on it uh no no we don't want that um bill yeah. Let's talk a little bit about something else pretty special to you and I from our era. It's national in the U.S., it's National Vinyl Record Day. Vinyl records are not only back, they're back in a big way, and they're calling it the Vinyl Revival. Sales of vinyl albums are up a whopping 361% since the beginning of the pandemic, and it's only going to get bigger with a younger audience.
4: You know, there's an entire generation that grew up pirating music or buying it on iTunes and then streaming it, so the idea of being able to hold it in your hand is something really special for them.
2: Hugh McIntyre is a music writer for Forbes. He says when country, hip-hop, or dance artists become really big in vinyl, it just might explode even further. Todd Ant, ABC News. Oh, yeah, the days of pirating, like Audio Galaxy and all those things. Okay, Bill, not not doing that stuff. But before that, you know, the most we would do is record off the radio. Vinyl, did you have a big vinyl collection?
3: Oh, yeah, I had, I had a whole collection of the old 45s and, you know, and, and the NLPs, which got all scratched. But there's something about vinyl. You know, when you grew up with your parents and they had the turntables and all the big speakers and all the equipment and the Gen X people, they don't know what that is now, and the attraction for them is being as 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 the clip pointed out actually holding a record i mean what is a record what is a i mean and there's something about the sound of a vinyl, isn't it, on the the record, right?
2: Yeah, even the crispness of the sound, right? And then you go back further in the old 78s and things like that that were really cool. And again, we do this on August, well, the States does this on August 12th because it's when Thomas Edison uh, actually invented the phonograph on, on this date is what's perceived in 1877. But, you know, Bill, I loved it. Like, I had... A bunch of uh, uh, 45s. Um, some My sister, I remember her giving me a bunch uh, from her collection. And I remember at W. Ross, when I was a student there, we were getting rid of the jukebox. And they had this little auction. And I went and bought all the records from the auction that were in the jukebox. Oh, yeah. I remember doing that. And then, of course, I had a whole bunch of albums of my my favorite stuff. But... As CDs came in, and I'm sure you were the same, Bill, you were really anxious to make the switch because, yeah, there were those drawbacks for us as blind people with albums.
3: And CDs, yeah, they were better quality. I think that was the sound quality was better. Right.
2: Well, I think albums were better, but the CDs didn't scratch, so you didn't have yeah, to put up with. Right, right. Like I had those singles, and they were all full of scratches. Plus, oh yeah, we could select yeah. the track so much easier with an album. You were going across and starting in the you know, part way into a song. If you were if you were low vision and couldn't see the the lines, so there was so much of that that some of us would have de- deemed as somewhat of a negative about it. So uh, I, I, I kind of think it's really cool it's back. I've got an old linear tracking turntable that I haven't ran for a few years, so I'm not sure the belts work on it okay or, or that technology. Um, but that was one of the ones that actually had buttons to select tracks to just just like a CD player because it came out in the era of, of the CD player. So uh, they knew at that point, as records were kind of disappearing, we got to do something here, and this technology was there. Billy? We'll talk to you when you back in a bit for the buzz. We will. Bill Shackleton, as mentioned, will be here to begin our second hour. We call it the buzz, kicking off our program here on Kelly and Company. We've got a lot ahead. In a moment, Jeff Ryman joins us. He'll have uh, today's latest lifestyle headlines. Please stick around. It's Kelly and Company on your Friday, and we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. Questions about Accessible Media Inc., you know a great place to hang out and learn so much about us? The Facebook page. Lots of activity over there. Just like it. If you're a Facebook fan, that's the place to go. You get some content there, and of course, conversation and announcements from Accessible Media Inc. But maybe you have a question, something you want to email in, feedback at ami.ca and the gang over at Marketing and Communications, they'd be happy to talk to you. Do that, send it to them, feedback at ami.ca. On Twitter at AMI audio. Send us a message. Keep up with what's going on on the shows on Twitter, the handle at AMI Audio. Kelly McDonald back here with you on your Friday as we're swinging open the gateway to the weekend. It's time to welcome in Jeff Ryman, our other co producer on the program to talk lifestyle headlines.
5: From fashion to travel, pets, and more, we cover it all on the Lifestyle Report with me, Jeff Ryman.
2: So this guy brings to us on a Friday a bunch of neat things to talk about lifestyle as we've kept you busy this week with what in the world, health so many other things. As usual, the man with many hats. Jeff, where are we starting today? And welcome back.
5: Yeah, good to be back. And I'm sort of piggybacking off of our health segment from Wednesday. Now, if you don't recall that, it was about uh, healthier foods that are more budget friendly. Um, So I also found an article that Pretty much directly ties into this and this is from healthline.com so this is one of those mixes kelly so it's sort of a hybrid between health and lifestyle more so lifestyle in this case uh i suspect and it's ways to lower your grocery bill as prices increase now this is not necessarily um sticking with the healthy theme that i had wednesday but these are just some tips to lower down um that grocery bill because of course like we mentioned the other day things are going sky high of prices. So this is this is a list of uh, about 10 things. I'm not sure if I'll read all of them, uh, but I'll try to get through as many as I can and the ones that really make the most sense to me at least. So um, number one is make a plan. Uh, I feel like we've talked about this before as well, um, but it's always good to reiterate by making a plan. Kelly, I don't know how many times uh I've gone to the grocery store, and I didn't have a plan like i'm I'm actually not kidding like i or you I go don't hungry,
2: think... right, which when yeah, you don't oh, have a yeah. plan and you show up hungry, oh man, it looks good, oh uh, man, I've been thinking of that. Oh, I forgot I wanted to try those.
5: I can tell you, Kelly, it is not a good idea to to shop without a list or some sort of plan. Because uh, it will start fights if you're with a a friend or a family member or your spouse or whoever it may be. Just from personal experiences, I've wandered around grocery stores for an hour or two trying to figure things out. It is so frustrating to uh, go shopping without a plan. And I always, always, always make sure that I have a plan, primarily a list that I keep on my phone. Uh, and so I always make that list probably the morning of, if I'm going in the afternoon or sometimes the night before, um, obviously put down what you need. And then of course you can freestyle it while you're there. If you're grocery shopping and you see something that's on sale and it looks appealing to you and it's within your budget, by all means freestyle it that way, but make sure you at least have some sort of foundation and have some sort of plan or idea what you want to do. And I think it's a, also a good thing to note is to meal plan. Um, that is something that I have done. And I usually make a meal plan for the next seven days, roughly give or take just depends on on the week. And of course, you know, you can change those days. But as long as you have seven meals, or however many meals you, you want to sort of if you go grocery shopping every three days, that's cool as well. Um, but for me, it's, every seven days. So I have seven meals and I know exactly what I need, exactly what I need to get. Um, also don't forget, you know, toilet, toiletry supplies, toilet paper, um, toothpaste, you know, those things sometimes seem to go forgotten as well. So make sure you would incorporate that. But number one on this list, Kelly, make sure you have a plan because it will save you time and it will probably save you money as well. I would think so. Like it- you buy the things
2: you need. You if you I remember as a kid, that was the thing to do. Look at what the specials were. My mother went so much by that because we had to watch the money. And there were times it would be frustrating or you'd say, "Oh, what a week. There's so much great stuff on." And you knew the house was going to have the the abundance. Now we should be looking that way, but so many of us go by, "Oh, man, I really feel like this. I'm getting it. It doesn't matter." Yeah. But when you go there hungry, when you go there without that plan, Jeff, and I think Fedora's off to you because you have that, you can work on your meal plan for the week, which really does guide you. I mean, some people just eat the same things and they're they're good and that works for them to a point. Once in a while, hopefully you work in treating yourself with something special. But I think the meal plan is really helpful, especially if you have your A, B, C meal plans to change it up so you don't get fed up. and And that will guide you in your groceries
5: yeah absolutely and just because you know in my rough schedule we're having tacos on tuesday you know taco tuesday it doesn't mean you can't have it on wednesday or thursday or right. friday or oh yeah whenever for right? sure. like if your ground beef is in the freezer just make sure you take it out the day before but you know those days are definitely interchangeable i think people sometimes get caught up in that because sometimes you wake up and you're like i don't know if i really feel like having chicken today and uh or tomorrow or or whatever so you know don't be afraid to uh go off the charts in, in, in that sense.
2: I think you have to, right? Because otherwise yeah. you get sick of everything it, and you get frustrated and that's when you make those silly mistakes and buy too much and you're looking, oh my gosh, it's nothing but a cupboard full of carbohydrates.
5: Yeah, no, no kidding. No kidding. Also on this list, Kelly, number two, be picky with certain things, maybe more particularly with produce. Um And again, on Wednesday, I mentioned that broccoli. Broccoli is typically cheaper. Um, I found it on sale this week. It was under $2. Uh, So, you know, you, you can obviously find some fruits and vegetables that are cheaper. But when it comes to some things, like in particular, off the top of my mind, for fruits, like berries, always seem to be pretty pricey. Now, you can get them on sale. You can find them on sale. I'm not saying that. But sometimes those things can be really pricey. So, um, you know, you can try to find some substitutes for those things such as berries in one of those ways. And I feel like we've talked about this as well before. And I know for sure that um, either Francis or Julia um, have talked about it in their respective segments. Frozen foods, uh, like frozen berries. And those are great to throw into smoothies. Um, heck, you can just keep them out at room temperature, bring them up. Uh, let them unthaw and eat them as berries. And there's really nothing to it. It's just that they're frozen. So uh, there's definitely alternatives out there. Um, And so I would highly recommend, you know, you know, maybe, maybe changing things up, you know, don't be afraid to um, change things up if uh, it doesn't seem too price friendly, at least in that moment. Like you might have cauliflower on your list, but then if broccoli is on sale, You know, maybe you make a a little switch like that. So um, and that actually sort of segues right into the number three tip is search for sales. I feel like everybody probably does this. Some people maybe more than others. Um, For me, I kind of find it fun, Kelly. I don't know if if I'm the only one. I'm sure there's other people out there. I kind of find it fun reading through the flyers and I do it on an app. Uh, the flip app, which yep, is really the good. Flip, that uh, thing
2: is it's just so popular, and the way to yep. do it. And I found as a, as a blind person, really accessible for me.
5: Nice. That, that is uh, fantastic to learn that it's accessible. Uh, I was actually curious about that, but I just like every Wednesday these the the flyers drop, and obviously the sales start on Thursday. Um, but I always go through and see if I can price match certain things or. Um, if, if there's something that's on sale that I should be aware of, usually the big things and Kelly, you know, me, I like my meat. Um, if, if meat is on sale somewhere, I'll either try to price match it or make my way to that store to get the steak or the chicken and or I'm sure pork, you've gotten a little is.
2: more fussier about it, you know, instead of the whole, just buy, I want beef. So I'll buy this. now you look more, especially putting more time with the smoker into it and bar- barbecuing as much as you like to do.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am a little bit pickier. Uh, I know what to look for, um, and I, I know what a good sale is. And if it is a good, if it's a good price, um, absolutely, I'll, I'll dive into that. Um, and also, another thing on this list, uh, again, sort of um, uh, that sort of segues into this is. Buy in bulk, like when it makes sense. Like that's something that I do all the time, Kelly. I know you. You. You do that. You bought like half a, like half a pig well, or something. I, I, you know what? You know? The,
2: the big thing is that with so many. There's so many ways now to try to, you know, the meat orders or whatever people are comfortable. And yeah. it used to be you'd be so defensive about it and say, uh-uh, these things are a scam or this is that. And I think people more and more know that now you can count on a lot of things. And for things like buying a side of this or a side of that, whatever you're looking for, or, or from a butcher, which used to seem like that way that, oh, no, that's impossible. You can't do that, it. It's too expensive. These things, mm-hmm. I think, help a lot now.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I, you know, it it depends on your budget too, as well. I I will say that. So if your budget is a little bit tighter, uh, maybe you won't be able to buy in bulk. But for me, like if I see chicken is on sale for a good price, like loading up on as much chicken as as I possibly can, because in that moment, you're going to be paying uh, a pretty hefty bill. But in the long run, you know, you're going to have an abundance of chicken. You're not going to have to buy it for quite some time. And, you know, if you're getting it at the cheapest price that you've seen in a while, you're obviously going to be saving money in the long run. So I'm a huge fan of looking for those sales and stocking up if, uh, you know, in bulk. Uh, And I'm one of those lucky people who has an extra freezer in my basement. Not everybody has that uh, or the pantry space uh, for, for that instance as well. Um, you know, if, if you're going to go um, ham on, you know, cereal or taco kits or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, some people might not be as lucky to to buy in bulk. But if they're on sale, I typically like to uh, shop in bulk. And it gives you enough variety.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you do that, you get it while it's on, you know, priced, you separate it so that you don't have to sit there and think, well, once I uh, open this up, we've got to, you know, eat all of it. Um, I think that that works really well if you've got the storage and space.
5: Yeah, I, exactly. Couldn't agree more. If you have the storage and space in the money, I mean, absolutely go for it. It will save you in the long run. Um, another thing is, is know what the expiration date means. Um, obviously, there are certain things that you don't want to eat if it goes past the expiration date. Uh, I'm also one of those people that typically will eat yogurt, even if it's past the expiry date. Just take a look, take a sniff, you know, if it smells bad, maybe don't put it in your mouth. Um, if if it looks funky or has mold on it, obviously, please don't eat it. Um, but there are certain things that are safe to eat. And it's, you know, you see that the best if used by, um, you know, those are the types of things where, you know, it is best if it is used by, but it doesn't mean it expires on that particular day. So uh, obviously be, be uh, aware of what the expiration date means. Uh, You know, it it depends on the product as well. I mean, like I said, if it looks okay and it smells okay, you can go for it. I know a lot of people will just chuck it anyways. It's totally up to you, but at least just be aware of, of of what that means. Wow. And one last thing here, Kels. Um, And I, I think this is probably, um, one of the big ones, and we, we, we sort of touched on it a little bit, is rethink your protein. There are so many different ways in to get protein, and of course, meat prices are sky high. And like I said, if chickens on sale, stock up. If beefs on sale, stock up if you can. Uh, but there are other you know ways, you know, sort of uh, protein that I think a lot of people just think immediately meats, but you can obviously get a, a bunch of protein from some plant based alternatives. Beans are a great alternative tofu, if that's something you're into, uh, and eggs. I love eggs. I mentioned on Wednesday, it's also cheap. It's protein. It's good for you. And you can do it in like a million and one ways. You can scramble them. You can, uh, fry them. You can boil them, whatever way you you like to do your eggs. You absolutely can do that. So, you know, protein, it, it doesn't necessarily mean meat. Um, and honestly, if you're on a tighter budget, I always try to put in breakfast for dinner one time a week because it is nice and cheap and easy and it tastes good. I have no problem with it. So uh, if you're able to, maybe rethink your protein if meat prices are high in your region.
2: Awesome stuff. Really good advice. A lot of cool things to think about in that, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that because – I used to always be told, don't go to the store hungry. Don't do this. And it really does show some of the things we've talked about. Let's think ahead. Let's learn and be prepared. Treat it like any research. Wow. Jeff Ryman joining us on the program to talk lifestyle. He does this uh, on Fridays. We also have him for health headlines on Wednesdays. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. Up next on Kelly and Company, it's our app update. From your television, SaskTel customers can uh, find AMI-audio simply by going to channel 555 and Rogers Mountain subscribers, you guys can look for us, on channel 889. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with you on a Friday. Welcome back to the program, A Lot Ahead. Do stick around. We've got a couple hours if you're new to the show. Thanks. Thanks for giving us a try here. We're here from 2 p.m. Eastern to uh, to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The first repeat of the program is at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Right now, though, let's welcome in John Beeler. It's time for our app update.
3: This is The App Show, unlocking software secrets for smartphones, tablets, TVs, and more.
2: Always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? All right. It's a good finish to the week. Good weather here. Our humidity has broken, so I think most of us aren't whining about that. We know touch wood because it'll come back or we'll continue to get those darn storms we've been getting. And you guys out there?
6: It's been pretty good. Nice. It's not quite as hot as it's been, but it's, it's still good. All right. Uh, everybody looks forward
2: to getting a chance to talk about technology with you, uh, apps, whatever direction you take us in. But uh, this is one of those... Sometimes we get these stories and you're just like, uh-oh, I don't don't want to hear this stuff, especially as it's ever-changing times. Uh, Facebook turns over mother and daughter's chat history to police resulting in abortion charges. What's going on?
6: Yeah, I wanted to sort of highlight this story because um, not because of the abortion angle, which is tragic in a whole bunch of other ways, um, but more so because of the fact that a lot of people use social media chat systems and direct messaging uh, for everyday conversations. And in Nebraska, uh, a mother and daughter who had talked about having an abortion in a state where that's not allowed, um, they basically have been arrested because of their chat history that uh, someone tipped off the police to and Facebook had to turn it over. Now, there's a couple things here that is really interesting. One is that Facebook legally was requested to hand over the chat history. Now, that in itself is pretty commonplace. If there's, you know, a a crime or something uh, that seems like it might be a crime, it's not uncommon for the authorities to ask for anything that they can do to help corroborate that. Right, right. In this particular case, though, they're using Facebook Messenger, which doesn't by default encrypt your messages. And what that means is that the mother and the daughter in this example, their chats would be completely invisible to Facebook or the authorities unless they actually had those people's phones and they were unlocked. So, Mm -hmm. But the problem is Facebook doesn't enable encryption by default. It's there, but you actually have to turn it on. Uh, for each chat that you're having, there's a little padlock icon on the top right corner of Messenger. And if you slide that, it'll lock the conversation, effectively encrypting it. But it's not on by default. And this is something that a lot of uh, privacy groups and people have been asking Facebook to do. It's like, well, why don't you just make it the default? Because partly, I think, because Facebook wants to you know, look at these chats and say, hey, is there any advertising opportunities in here? to build that profile at, as we've always talked about.
2: But the WhatsApp is by automatic, right? Uh,
6: WhatsApp is actually owned by them as well. That's, that's what I
2: was going to say, but I thought that was automatic, isn't it?
6: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it is. Um, but it's, well, we'll th- there's another topic. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the changes they've made uh, on, on WhatsApp. But yeah, the, 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 the bottom line is you shouldn't be having any intimate personal conversations in a social media messaging system. So
2: in the past, when Facebook has been asked to do this, um, have we not seen them? Well, no, we're not turning this and that over. We don't have, it's interesting where the choices will be made. And, but I think like you're saying here, it doesn't matter because really folks don't have those kinds of conversations because they yeah. can be viewed. Um, if you're okay with whatever you're saying and if that was possible, but when you talk about something, especially in, in a state or, or wherever that you know is a crime, don't be into that. If Don't do yeah. it.
6: Well, e- even just talking to a family member about something personal, like medical conditions or yeah. uh, financial situations and stuff, like don't use a social media app to have that conversation. Have it on the phone <laughs> or in person. It's Not- crazy. Not through Twitter. It's nuts because you sit here.
2: Yeah, exactly. You sit here saying this and, and wondering how armed are we with our own knowledge. We sit here laughing because, oh, well, what does the the A-lady hear us say or Google? Uh, uh, what is being listened? What is being kept and potentially retrieved by another party, uh, whether it be law enforcement, advertisers, whatever? And you start to sit here and realize, yeah, they're social media, man. You can socialize. You can chat. But really, folks... Imagine yourself still in that crowd or on the bus where people are listening to you.
6: Well, I've always maintained that if you're having a, a a private conversation on a social media platform of any kind, doesn't matter what it is or what they claim, encrypted or not, just assume that somebody there has the ability to read your message or listen to your message. Someone from an administration level, they potentially have access to that private conversation and if you don't want that then don't use that system to have that conversation
2: right um we'll move into your second one which uh, it sounds like potentially something really kind of cool happening we've got some experimental earbuds here that can detect ear infections and other medical uh issues that you might be having going on with a simple chirp
6: yeah this is really cool yeah Uh, some uh so a company has created something called Ear Health and this is essentially using off-the-shelf earbuds. Uh, they've tweaked the microphones that are common in earbuds uh, to basically listen inward to hear inside your ear and what they do is they will actually instead of playing music they'll make a chirp sound and not unlike radar uh, or sonar it'll actually go through and sort of Listen and and see if it can come across any abnormalities in your ear canal. So stuff like uh you know, an earwax buildup that could be hindering your your hearing abilities could be detected. The the thing is they have to have like a like a, a baseline. So when you're in your ear is in good health, you would have to do this, run a diagnostic test. And then if you encounter a problem, or maybe you know regularly, these earbuds could be set up so that Every time you go to play your music, it does a little, you know, quick status check. How's John's ears doing? And it can report back anything that it detects that's an anomalous.
2: And I guess as time goes on, or maybe they're even there now, you could program this this talent, the skill of it to be able to hear things if you have infection is there things that happen within you know the the you know extra fluid that's there wax you can totally get the idea that it's going to detect that hey there's less space here than what there normally yeah. is or what there should be something's going on and likely this is is what's happening um do we know how many things that they perceive at this time? And and again, the only things I can think of is like you said, the earwax, the buildup, yeah. infection. Um, do they think there's any further they could go with that?
6: Well, it sounds like they can also detect ruptured eardrums, which you'd probably know, right? right? Um, there's there's some other um, medical conditions I can't even try to pronounce, <laughs> uh, which are which are typical you know, ear infections or inflammation of the middle ear, which can be caused by, say, a, a sore throat or a cold, those types of things. But what's interesting is that sometimes these things could be really warning signals for other bigger problems. Yes. And because of the fact that they were, you know, fairly successful with uh, this diagnosis accuracy, they had 82.6% diagnosis accuracy with this system. Uh, of trying uh, apparently 92 different test subjects uh, for Man. some that had very specific uh, ear uh, illnesses at the time. So they knew what they were looking for and they they wanted to confirm that the software would actually f- detect it. And they had 82.6% accuracy, which is pretty great. And then they're going to also apply AI-powered algorithms so that they would continue to improve and be more accurate in detecting these things.
2: You know, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like it... You're looking at a certain kind of space. You're looking at really what what things could be detected that are there. And, you know, whether it's early ear damage from blaring your music or anything like that, there's, there's that definite there's a, a change here whether that knows exactly what it's likely to be a buildup of wax or something like that, as I'm sure sometimes the, you know, the algorithm could tell you that uh, other times it's see someone I'm sure it would be the prompt you get. See, see an ear specialist because something's not right in here. Um, and I think that again, we go so much on, well, I hear a cracking in my ear. Or I hear this and that. Uh, and if this thing could detect something starting early or just stuff that we, a lot of time people don't know about hearing loss such as to wax or something, just because you don't notice the decline. That's
6: right, because it's so gradual.
2: Yeah, that's really amazing. Okay, WhatsApp. We, you mentioned it earlier uh, that we had a few things here and we've got a bit of a list. Uh, they announced some screenshot blocking and more privacy features.
6: Yeah, these are some interesting uh, updates to, to WhatsApp that I think most users will welcome. Uh, one is that you can now choose who can see you when you're online. So the the problem is when you send a message, if the other party is online, you know they're online, you know they've seen the message, but they're not responding to you. Are they ignoring you? You know, those types of questions pop up. So now you can actually be sort of hidden or offline to, to those users unless you want to be. Also, and this is a common problem that seems to bite politicians a lot, is you can actually now turn on... Uh, uh, a feature that will prevent someone from taking a screenshot of your messages. So you have that ability to sort of make your messages more private. Wow. And, and then, you know, this is a common problem, especially if you get added to a group uh, without your, you know, uh, opting in. Right. Uh, being able to leave a group silently so it doesn't alert everybody in the group that you just left. Although the admins will still be alerted. So that's, you know, if it's like a family Facebook or a WhatsApp group and you you leave the family, then, then you know, the parents will be notified or whoever set up the group. But uh, that seems like a good feature as well.
2: Yeah, I like that one. I think that that is useful. Um, uh, the one that I, of course... <laughs> not something I, I would be doing is taking screenshots and stuff like that. I, I guess But that's especially on a platform like that. I understand the use of it in other areas If if you're having tech problems or someone says, get me a screenshot of what's, what's happening of course. But um, which one for you of, of the stuff you've seen, what you've mentioned is, 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 is the most important that last one, you think?
6: Um, well, I, leaving a group silently that, That's. I mean, I. I think it depends on the context of the group. No. Does it. Does it matter? Like, I get added to groups all the time, and it's usually from a spammy perspective. And I'm like, okay, great. So I can just leave this, and no one's going to be upset. Um, But I I think being able to choose who can see when you're online. So if you want to sort of go in and check your messages, sort of on the sly, that's a great feature. Um, And then being able to prevent others from taking screenshots of your messages that you've said. Again, it depends on what you're talking about, but you know, like going back to the the, the Facebook Messenger and the abortion uh, ladies, um, that would prevent that from happening as well, right? You know, because yeah. those screenshots wouldn't get out to the to the authorities and about their conversations if that's how it was uh, shared with them. So
2: with um with uh, WhatsApp or, or Facebook, one of the things that I am in the privileged position of sitting here listening to you tell us about these updates. How do generally people know about them? Is there often something that comes across letting you know, Hey, there've been some changes, go read it. Do, do people really bother? Because that's where I, I hesitate thinking, how do we really get people to note these things are here? These, some of these, like you say, are pretty
6: important. I think it's people like us having these conversations uh, to a wider audience because, Some of these things are so buried in the settings. And unless you're actually following like the WhatsApp blog or the Facebook Messenger blog about certain features, like I actually went and looked up how to actually encrypt my messages, and all my messages weren't encrypted by default. And, you know, I couldn't even figure out how to turn it on without having to like literally Google it. And and, went to that lock. Yeah. And so you're right. I I think it is a problem. I, I think what these stories sort of highlight is the fact that it's never a bad time to have a go through your settings for the any apps that you care about that you use a lot especially if you're having non-public yep, conversations with yeah right yep, and, and you're right and how and, and review those settings because i know facebook especially has been guilty of changing settings all the time and turning them on turning them off john and, we'll talk about uh, this later
2: we uh, we're out of time man but thanks a lot great advisement Always bringing the best stuff. We'll be back in a moment here on Kelly & Company. John Beeler, he'll be back next week with more on our app update. Sundays we get a chance to talk with our gang over at uh, AMI-tv. And one of the things that we haven't mentioned in a while is checking out the AMI app. Fantastic app with lots of great content. You know, you're kind of sitting around at home over the weekend. You might say, hey, I want to see some stuff from AMI-tv. Well, download from the App Store, uh, the iOS or the uh, Android App Store. You can find yourself a whole bunch of great content using the AMI app. It's accessible. You can watch documentary programming that's there, some of the shows, and, of course, whatever digital shorts they've posted up there. Keep up on it, folks. It's accessible and a lot of fun to you with some great content. That is the AMI app, available using your app store. Kelly McDonald, back with you on the Friday edition of Kelly and Company. And on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, we get a chance to find out what's going on in different points around the country. Today, for our regional content report, we're joined by Karen McGee, AMI Content Development Specialist in Morrisburg, Ontario, so just overseeing everything through Ontario and Quebec. What's going on, Karen? Welcome back.
7: Kelly, I lied to you on your notes. I'm actually in Toronto, I'm just leaving Toronto, actually.
2: Uh, how many days have you been there?
7: Uh, what time is it? Two hours? Three hours?
2: Oh, one of those kind of trips.
7: Yeah, just drove in and dropped something
2: off. Good grief! In uh, in. That's the ones where you spend more time driving than actually in the city. And I know it's Toronto, so a lot of time the people are saying, "Sorry, Toronto people," but they're saying, "Yeah, man, let me get out before the traffic."
7: Well, look at it this way: I'm, I'm, con- I'm considering it driving training for driving down to Florida this fall.
2: Ah, for your Disney run. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. All right. When was the last time you uh, went into Toronto driving? Uh, a week ago. Oh, okay. So this isn't like now one of the, <laughs> oh man, I hardly do this anymore.
7: Well, last week I hadn't been in big city traffic for a while. Boy, I forgot what it was like. <laughs>
2: That's okay. I survived. It's I
7: survived a- the tell the
2: Well, it's crazy, isn't it? Morrisburg, Ontario. Uh, and then we're talking all Toronto and big city driving. Wow.
7: Big city driving, of course it doesn't even have a stoplight anymore, so it's <laughs> a traffic circle instead.
2: Well, that's when things, you know, things are getting slower, when we'll take out the traffic light, it's not necessary. <laughs> All right, less people here. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I wondered, okay, or wonder with you being in Toronto, we talk a lot about inclusive playgrounds and activity places. Uh, earlier in the week, we had Jay's care on talking about the Royal Holiday Field. Uh, just so much great stuff. We know on the program we often get into topics about playgrounds. Uh, so let's get into this particular topic of, of I think, tremendous interest. Um, the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital has a tremendous tool that they've developed that make it makes it easier for communities to, zi- to design inclusive playgrounds. What's in their playbook?
7: So we've talked about Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital before, Tongue Twister, and they do fantastic work. Every once in a while, they drop sort of one of these, also my high-to guide. And quite frankly, I'm not going to to I'm missing Ronnie right now because her and I are the, are the sort of playgrounds, I don't want to say experts, but enthusiasts.
2: Play, yeah, I think um, that. I was going to say gurus, but no, you're right. Enthusiasts is probably the better
7: enthusiasts. word. Enthusiasts. So this playbook, the official title is, and everything has to have an official title, is Creating Inclusive Playgrounds, a playbook of considerations and strategies. And it's meant for municipalities, um, community groups, designers, developers, builders, and families living with a disability, it's a comprehensive guide on how to build an inclusive playground. And it includes things, it's not just about the physical space, because, you know, when you think inclusive play, it's like, okay, like, we're going to have an accessible swing and an accessible teeter-totter, but this guide sort of goes into how to get the community engaged, how to get some of your funding, how to have some play programming, and how to upkeep the maintenance on the playground. what so you should be looking for and how you should be playing for it. So it's more than just Here's how you design a playground. Here's how you get the money for it. Right. And here's how you keep keep it going, which is quite frankly, this is important as, as the actual bill. Like the build is sort of like the middle part and there's book ends on either end. Um, there's four different sections to it. How do we start? How can I get there? Can I play? And can I stay? I just love those titles. Um, and like I said, it's really like a playbook and a scratch and how to keep an inclusive playground in your neighborhood up and running, which is fantastic.
2: Um. It's tremendous when you, th- when you hear about something like this because, as you said, it's a real guide to how to do it, where, what kind of resources. Cause we're, and I think about this all the time. So much else would be done if people didn't have to, when confronted with something, a subject, an idea, well, where do I go and find this out? Get online, research, Google, and do what you do. But a lot of time you go down a lot of rabbit holes that something like this book um, takes away that, that chore.
7: And, and these guys really know what they're talking about. So you know, you know, it's done. Um, I, I don't want to say with the best intent, but it, it's done with facts and it's done with research. And it, it, it's a site that can really be trusted.
2: Sounds great. Uh, where can people uh, get their information?
7: So I do want to say the free resource. I forgot to mention the word free um, nice. on halalreviewer two um, they go into much more detail on the web page. You can check it out there. Um, and overall, this is a really great site, uh, thehollandblueover.ca. Um, they have a lot of free resources there.
2: Okay. Really wonderful. Awesome. Great thing to bring. And folks, please do take advantage of that or, or at least direct your town, your community, whatever to, to whatever, because it uh, uh, sounds like something that so many towns and cities are so open to right now. Uh, your second item. Guide Dogs of Canada is now taking registration for their motorcycle ride fundraiser. What can you tell us about this?
7: So, this one's going to be the 25th annual Guide Dog Ride to benefit the Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind. Um, and it is the National Capital Region. For those who don't know, National Capital Region is basically Ottawa, so it's kind of the in the Ottawa area. Um, we like to be fancy. Um, it's the longest running charity motorcycle ride in the region. Um, the date for this year's event will be Sunday, September 11th. Um, it's a 200 kilometer race sorry, it's a ride, not a race. it will take riders throughout the picturesque Ottawa Valley region and along the region's waterways, including the Rideau Canal, um, which is in Toronto, and down right back of the woods along the St. Lawrence River. So basically, Ottawa down to I don't know if they're coming as far as Moose, but so the St. Lawrence River, I think, I can hit it to, in a couple places. Um, the Guide Dog Ride is a rain or shine event, with 100 percent of the proceeds going to the Canadian Guide Dogs for Blind. Individual riders and all bands and clubs are welcome. I do ask that you don 't bring any pet dogs, though um sometimes I know the bike bikers like to have their pet dogs, so if anything right. you do they ask that no dogs come
2: along um, when you you know with doing t v stuff uh, at the different bureaus across the country, and I know I had the experiences to to take in different rides, different fundraising events. Um, always a lot of fun, isn't it? To go, uh, if you love motorcycles, so many different ones to see whether, and, and even the ones, the rides that are bicycles, even, you get so many different things, can, Karen, to look at the, and, and unique people from all walks of life. It's a lot of fun that they're all pulling for a same cause. There's a lot of
7: fun. Actually, I, uh, our house is just off highway Two, which runs along with the Ontario. Um, there are, there are bike rides that go by all the time. It's a really great way to do a fundraiser. It, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, they always, they always seem to be having a lot of fun on the bike, so I just watch wistfully from my porch.
2: And they love the questions, right? And I think that's a lot of how these things go over so well. It's like um, the old classic cars. I remember being involved with fundraisers in classic cars and being able to ride in them for uh, when I horseback rode. We, we had a, an annual one, and I remember being navigator, that kind of thing. It was so much fun to, to see those cars and for people who would line the road to watch for it. It was just great. Uh, how do people register? So register.
7: Where- the event is going to take place on the day of at the at the Guide Dogs for Blind National Training Center, which is in Manitoba, which is just south of Ottawa. It's, it's really close to Ottawa. It's a beautiful area between nine a.m. and ten a.m. in the morning of the eleventh of September. Costs twenty dollars per participant. And this year, riders may actually pre-register online to collect pledges at www.guidedogs.ca. Um, if you raise more than a hundred dollars, you'll receive a custom-made original guide dog ride motorcycle patch to put on your fancy leather
2: jacket. That is cool. I love the idea of, and maybe they do it this way all the time. That you know, come down, register same day, because so many people look out and hey, this is going to be a good day, or oh boy, that's not. Um, it, it's nice to have that ability to be flexible in case that morning something has come up for you, or 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 to get involved so easily with. Relatively minimal donation. They just want you to be a part of it. Want people to enjoy themselves. To see, and probably those folks are the ones that are going to, when you know, so much awareness is brought to them, make those donations that are important.
7: It, it is a lot about the awareness. We mentioned earlier. I know, like the Tim Hortons and Morseberg is a pretty big stopping ground for rides like this. Um, there'll be there be so many bikes, and think people love to talk about why they're doing what they're doing.
3: Um,
7: nice. it. The, the police causes are important to the people who are doing the I they're taking a day out of their Sunday. Two hundred kilometers takes a while of you. It's not like you can go one hundred and hundred kilometers bombing down some of these country roads. Well, I, I might, um, but um,
2: <laughs> you know but the it, roads
6: though.
7: I know, I know, I know where the police officers may <laughs> be hiding away. I gotta be careful because I'm going to drive back to Ottawa today, and uh, I know there's going to be a lot of. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of
0: speed traps yeah. along uh, the 401 on my way. <laughs> I want to
2: jinx well, myself. Yeah, be careful of that. And, and I think, Karen, though, going back to your thought, that like it really is a wonderful time for these folks to get in and learn about something uh, so important to so many of us, so many of our listenership out there, for sure. Um, but it's always nice because they will, they like to talk, they like to share, and, of course, they're going to reach out to their friends and say, Hey, man, I'm doing the ride on the weekend. Why don't you come on? What we'll ride. And it's really educational for everyone. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. I, maybe someday I'll get up
7: the nerves. Maybe you should buy a bike. Maybe you should buy a motorcycle. You should get an AMI bike. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, My dad used to be quite a
2: rider. Yeah. Uh, An AMI motorcycle. Yeah, years and years ago. So I only remember a little bit when I was a kid. He'd borrow someone else's and we'd go out. I remember my cousin used
7: to come and drive me to school sometimes. And boy, I felt so cool. When I was in public school, I felt like I was the coolest kid in the
2: world. Well, I I look funny in a a, a sidecar. So, you know, whoever's got me in their (laughs) sidecar looks pretty strange with the bike tilted so much. Thanks, McGee. We'll see you later. (laughs) Have a safe drive.
7: Talk to you later. Bye, folks.
2: <laughs> our content development specialists join us Wednesdays and Fridays right here on Kelly and Company. In our next hour. Yeah, there's still another one, folks. Do you pay attention to audiobook art cover? The work for it? You know, that kind of thing. Ryan Huey is gonna highlight a Twitter conversation. Uh, about that concept okay we'll do that with uh, the chatty bookshelf let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time but up next he joins us again he was here at the top of the show he's here for the start of the next hour Bill Shackleton with the buzz When you tune into the show in the middle of an interview...
3: Can tomatoes,
0: have you remember the alphabet soup type things? Yeah. Yeah. And ravioli,
8: ravioli,
2: You're listening to Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. All right, folks. Ready, set, here we go. Hour two of Kelly and Company. Thanks for being with us. Wherever you're listening in around the world, maybe you're at your computer checking us out at AMI.ca. You can listen to the live stream of AMI audio right there. Maybe you've got one of those Victor Reader streams and you check out the podcast that way. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate you being out there and a part of the company. Well, he was with us at the beginning of the show, had an interesting conversation about uh, shirts with artwork. And uh, we now let him get to work and tell us what we're going to start with, where we're going to go. We never know as as hosts of the program what's going to happen. Bill Shackleton joining us. We do this Wednesday to Friday. It's called The Buzz. Billy, you've got a handful of things there. Which one do you want to start with?
3: Well, it's not about shirts. Um, this is an interesting one. Luxury goods tax on super rich could... Electric vehicles expert. So here's an interesting situation. On September 1st, the government is going to be introducing a luxury tax on boats and vehicles that cost over $100,000. Now, here's the key it could affect electric vehicles if the government considers them to be a luxury vehicle. And the concern that this expert is having is, is saying, is that here you are, you're encouraging us to um, buy these environmentally friendly cars, and surely you're not going to put a tax on them. On the, you know, if people are, are aren't going to buy them, if you're going to put a luxury tax on them, so hopefully that they'll be exempt, but we don't know which which is why the article said could affect electric vehicles. It the mind boggles. I mean, why would you even consider putting a tax on these cars when they're already expensive as it is?
2: You know, it's crazy, Bill. Um Yeah, I it, it, it uh, is like I get I get the, the, the personal yacht and and some I of the costs too. there. Yeah, I understand right, that right. you're looking at an economical situation there. Even if these things are expensive, over the 100,000 such as the Tesla vehicles and so on. This is something we need. And again, we've yeah. had this conversation with good foods and things that are good for you too. Why are they most expensive? Well, why are you going to add to something that yeah, okay, I understand it's for a select bunch of people that you already sit back and say, well, they can afford that tax, but If that tax is going to be the difference to where you have that person that's conservative enough to say, no, I'm not paying that. That's ridiculous. That's too much in tax. Well, I'll get one of those for me, Um, you know, and I'll get a gas burner, whatever it might be, for for the wife or for my kids. I'll get each of them. You know, you really want to encourage so that there is no reason to not take one of these vehicles just because our environment demands it.
3: And here, here's another scenario. An interesting thing is that the expert point, expert pointed out that it would cost more to implement the actual tax, of course, than 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 what than what it would bring in because people aren't are going to are going to not going to buy these cars. So I mean, if I mean, good lord, if I'm going to have to spend a hundred thousand dollars and then pay a tax on that, no, I, I'm going to not going to bother
2: there There must be a point where people think that people have enough disposable money that if they're going to buy a said vehicle and it's over a hundred grand they're not going to notice they're not going to mind um, or they should be paying it but as you look at these people also they, they may not mind they may say okay yeah sure I'll pay it but you're only hitting me with that because so I'm being penalized uh when if I bought ninety eight thousand dollar vehicle, you wouldn't bother me. And I, I think there's something to be said about that and the the backhanded slap. I understand our view is, well, they can afford if you can sp- afford to spend money on a vehicle like that. But you know what? There are those who can't but see the justification because of the benefits in many different ways, whether it's to the environment, the ease of it. They want their first real luxury expensive vehicle because now they can afford to do that, but they're still limited. And and I, I just, I guess I look at things right now as critical as things are nothing to discourage the sale of them. They're going to be on the market. Doesn't matter what anyone says or does that. That's just a done deal. We'll assist it a little bit because it really, it's going to do us more good than, than the harm of this tax.
3: It is. And not everybody that is buying, that are going to buy these cars is rich. No. That's That's, that's the other thing is ridiculous. So we, I mean, no, even a lot of the Uber drivers have these cars because they're concerned. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's leave the tax off these cars. If you're going to do it, don't put a tax on them.
2: Well, it's crazy, isn't it? Because that was some of the justification back with the old muscle cars. If you have some of this stuff, you're burning more gasoline, you know, why shouldn't you, especially as we went into the energy crisis, shouldn't you be the ones to kind of, Pay that extra. that didn't matter if these engines ate up so much gas because, and then boom, we have the problem. And unfortunately, yeah. the problem is shared by everyone. So my my view is, you know, the benefit to having these vehicles out there versus others by, and, and driven by those who, whether they can barely afford to have it or, or can afford to have it, uh, I'd rather them driving that than some of the other options out there. Uh, your next right. item.
3: Well, this item is far more logical and makes sense. Uh, pianist Oscar Peterson becomes first Black Canadian featured on a circular coin. So we know Oscar Peterson, who is actually regarded as if is if is as Canada's for, one foremost jazz musicians. But what a lot of people don't realize, maybe, is of course he's a man of color, and he is. He was re- very active in the civil rights movement, and this coin there was a ceremony yesterday commemoring commemorating him and they're going to be actually releasing i think it's two million of these coins on starting on august fifteenth and part of that coin is going to include the final notes of his nineteen sixty two Song that he wrote, "Hymn to Freedom," which commemorates the the, uh, the you know the civil rights movement. A one dollar coin worth buying for sure.
2: Well, and you stop and think about what Oscar Peterson means to to Canada. For those who know, a lot of people have no idea. That it's not whether it's the music or from a different kind of era. We we've often heard his music. Whether we know yeah. that's Oscar, we know. His 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 um, reputation south of the border. We know around the world this uh, amazing and gifted artist that was a tremendous loss to Canada um, because he just gave so much. Loved being Canadian. Um, I think it's just wonderful. Uh, Bill, do, do you know how to get hold of? Remember the the old days used to go what to the post office to get get coins when they were released like this.
3: Is that what you still do? Yeah, this doing? is from. I don't know. It's from the mint, so yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I think I remember Um,
2: they used to say that or used to years ago, oh, send away for it. But you used to be able, I think, to go and get the, maybe I'm thinking just stamps, maybe that's all it was, but maybe coin, which makes sense. Coins, I can't remember where you go, but, uh, you know, this this is just such a wonderful thing to honor and obviously um, nice, the recognition of first black Canadian, but also just the artist on it. And I think they made a good choice out of, of artists we're going to put on there. I think this is a person that beyond being you know, the first black Canadian, an artist, because a lot of times people would say, well, you know, what is the value of putting that particular person on there, the recognition, the notability that we, we want people to be aware of? And I think he covers off so many bases and so worthwhile being put on there. And for baking, many of us want to have that coin, but also just go out and, and say, I, I'm going to Google Oscar Peterson.
3: Well, last it's one. more than the music. Oh, sorry, it's, go ahead, sir. More, sorry. It's could say it's just it's more than the than the music. It's right. it's, it's what he actually did, broke breaking barriers for black musicians and so on. So Yeah, yeah, and we think about this
2: for other artists and say, "Hey man, they're well known here or or that playwright is, you know, we we've heard this with uh, Foster, you know, how more of his plays are done around the world than any other playwright. That kind of thing in theater. And we're all proud of that kind of thing. But when you look at uh, somebody who Really reached out, really covered a lot of people um, as an artist, uh, and when I say that, touched a lot of people with his music, um, and and people really settled back to he is an artist first and foremost. Oh, look, he happens to be Canadian. Yeah. Um. What else do you have for us?
3: Well, we have one about artists and donuts in the Yukon, which would of course Ooh. be. Uh, um. What's the capital of the Yukon? Uh, I forgot. Anyway,
2: Dawson. There is in Dawson.
3: A Dawson City. Dawson City. So this shop is featuring unique Yukon flavors, and the the, the donuts are made of sourdough. Now, apparently, it is very unique. They got this recipe 80 years ago from uh, Germany, and apparently, it was a stable for many, many years for people involved in the gold rush and things like this. So some of the flavors are pink crush. I don't know what that is. Blood orange blue Hawaiian, and uh, grasshopper pie, which would, I have no idea
5: what that is. <laughs>
2: uh, we've heard of grasshopper pie. I'm not 100% sure. I think you could Google that. Uh, also, Billy, Whitehorse is capital. Dawson, though, of course, yeah. we know uh, from our community report. And I think this is in Dawson, isn't it? Or is it in Whitehorse? I mean, yeah, I it's think in it Whitehorse, is in, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't remember. You'd have to look up Grasshopper Pie, Blood Orange. I think I get a, a great kick of it. But these are artists too, aren't they? So they're really creative.
3: They're musicians, musicians.
2: Awesome. Uh, what Which do you think? Which is
3: interesting. Uh, musicians and donuts. I wonder how what the connection is. I mean, how? I mean, you know what I mean. I guess they just decided to 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 do something a little different.
2: Well, we know that there is quite a lot of artists, uh, and I found this when I was working the, the documentary out in Nunavut, to uh, how many artists are there? Whether it's sculptures, whether it's it's performers, but we know up in in the Yukon, same thing. So many people make call that area home. Uh, there's a lot of music, a lot of work, artwork being done. So I can see them relocating there, and I think it's wonderful they could bring something like the sourdough. Sour, is it sourdough? Yeah, sourdough, sourdough donuts.
3: Sourdough
2: donuts, yeah. Tremendous stuff! Wow, Don't, Billy, thanks a lot. I would think so. But you can order them, right? I think you can. Maybe they'll send them to you, Bill. You could call and say, hey.
3: Yeah, I got a number.
2: Will you throw some in the mail? I've got an Oscar Peterson coin to pay for them. What do you mean? That's right, yeah. On Wednesday through Friday, we call it the buzz. And you can check Billy out all the time here on the program. Appreciate him also hanging out with us during segment one. Chatty Bookshelf is up next. Stick around, folks. Well, if you have to take us with you, use TuneIn Radio or the Radio Player Canada app. Awesome apps to download to your smart device. Really good time, folks, because you can get us, take us with you, and the quality, absolutely amazing. Check out AMI-audio by doing a search, and you can listen to Kelly and Company anywhere you go. Tune in radio and the Radio Player Canada app. Kelly McDonald here, host of the program in the London, Ontario, Home Studio. On the Chatty Bookshelf, we talk all things audiobooks with
4: Ryan Hui. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Hui. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks.
2: So this guy keeps really busy. Of course, we know he keeps busy reading audiobooks, listening to them all the time. Um, we're on the cusp of a wonderful conversation here. I think there's going to be some real thought here, Ryan, coming up. But, but, but first, let's take care of other business. Welcome back to the show. How are you, sir?
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be back. I love the Friday afternoon uh, and the vibe, you know, opening the doors to the weekend. So yeah, thanks for having me. But guys, it is week 16, final week, can you believe it, of Audiobook Sync. So get your two free audiobooks. They just came out on Thursday and these are the final two. But if you are just signing up, You can also go back uh, for 15 weeks and get those two free books, right? So they're yours to keep forever, and you can listen to them as many times as you want. So definitely take advantage of this program, and you can sign up at audiobooksync.com. So really check it out, guys, because it's such a good program. This is the fifth year, and you better believe it's probably going to be back because it's so popular.
2: You did that well. I think the NFL people, the media that covers are going to be after you. This Week 16. You did really well with that. Um, <laughs> so here's a, a, since we're talking about many years of, of this happening, and of course we've been having you do this on the show for, uh, more than that, uh, with the chatty Bookshelf. show, uh, I have to ask, so is Friday just that day? Is it that way for you that you could finish up work and you do want to crawl in with an audio book? Would you, if you have the half days in the summertime, does it just seem to be the right day to listen or in your case, right through the whole weekend?
4: What do you mean wait for work to end? Uh, sometimes I got jobs in one ear and then the audiobook in the other. Uh, Look, you know, man, I know some of on... your
2: coworkers listen to the show. Forget it. I'm not saying anything like that because next week
4: you'll be angry at me. No, I'm just saying, you know what? It depends what I'm doing. If I'm doing some of the admin stuff or some of the travel, hey, I'm coming home from a week on the road. Right, um, right. It, you know, I, I get the benefit of listening to the audiobook uh, while I'm working without uh, penalty, right? So I, I can kind of do that from time to time Uh, not all the time but uh, i do that's why i kind of look forward to the administrative days and uh you can kind (laughs) of just you know either get the music going get the audiobook going and uh just get in the zone and, and go for it but you're right i i do um continue to listen over the weekend i i get as much in as i possibly can and just trying to to reach my um my goal my goodreads goal this year and we'll see because i've I upped it. I this is the most I've uh, ever done in a year, so I'm hoping that I can get to that point. But with football season coming up, uh, you know, a lot of uh, f- fantasy football drafts happen in the next couple weeks. I think it might be a struggle. So it's mm. uh, priorities, right?
2: Well, as they say in football, interference call. So. um... But I know when we put the show together we really wanted to have have this to be that jump off point for the weekend for the book reading to have people have something like that the entertainment a uh, feel of the show so but let's let's get to the business at hand what are we talking about today
4: this is super cool to me I saw a tweet that came out on Tuesday from our friends at audiobooks.com and it got me thinking because it started off and it said you know there was it was a three part tweet And the first part said, you know, traditionally, um, you know, book covers, artists and marketing teams and publishers pay a ton of money to have the best cover to sit it on the shelf or sit it, you know, in the in the app, uh, Apple Books, whatnot, that sort of thing. And it's eye catching, you know, don't judge a book by its cover probably isn't so true. Right. So does that matter with audiobooks? Like again, traditionally, audiobooks were kind of made for those with a print impairment that didn't actually read the the ebooks or the print books. So a lot of people don't see the cover. But does that matter? Does it entice you to read the book? And so many questions just came popping up in my in my mind. Should should people be spending money on them? Do authors do uh, publishers want to spend money on them? Is it just as simple as transferring the 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 hardcover book cover to? Um, to, to the audiobook, right and it's interesting because uh i don't know if this is an apple kind of voiceover function or if this is um an audio uh, audible.com function but it's kind of really good at describing what the covers of the books are when you click on the picture right when you go, so i was kind of curious um does it matter like for for yourself kelly would uh you know the martian book cover you know does it entice you to say oh yeah i want to read that book or is it just like well you know, it, it is what it is. It's
2: just kind of there, right? I I like to know what what it would be, but I'll be honest, with audiobooks, I don't think about it unless they, they you know, from the, from the book cover or something like that. And again, that's usually the text or whatever, as opposed to the description of whatever the picture would have been. Even in the days when we didn't have audiobooks out there, when it was just somebody reading it, you you would find the odd book that would describe a little bit of them. I, I think it was very, very rare and I know myself, I don't generally think about it, Ryan, except when I think about audiobooks, I think about Audible and not not necessarily being a user of, of any of the official let's buy from here, let's entice you. Because I always think going into, you know, you go into a library, you go into a um, chapters or something like that, and you're looking around and you may pick up an audiobook. Obviously, I'm aware, well, there's got to be something there. That people, you know, have now that we've go to totally online, I think, okay, well, what are they using online? Do they take that book matter, that information, that cover? And is that, I'm assuming, where you go get your preview, where you select the book and check it out um, and, and buy it, that you see that same artwork. But I never think about it. I I would never really even more than just go unless I heard graphic and I'm not even sure. I'd think, oh, is that the author? A picture of the author? Is it the? I don't know if I, until this discussion, would have thought it was the front cover matter.
4: And you know what? I would agree with you. Uh, you know, I I never really thought about it until um, the the so called alt text and and you know the the voice descriptions kind of right. have become front of the media. It's, it's it's kind of cool to have that on your on your pictures and stuff now, right? Whether it's Facebook or wherever. But I think it's it's kind of a really good thing, and it's kind of made. Uh, I guess book covers, uh, audio book covers, a little bit more relevant to the the vision impaired community because th- now we get that description. I find myself kind of looking for them a little bit more, and it, and I'm not paying a, a, you know a crazy amount of attention to it. But hey, if the book is called The Martian, like what's on the front of the cover, right? Like what what does it look like, kind of thing. And I'm I'm very interested now to kind of see it because a couple of my favorite authors have some really great book covers uh, and i guess they are spending the money right they're spending the time getting the artist or uh getting the publisher to to graphic artists whatever it is that that they're using to kind of look at this and say okay well we're going to make this and this is going to be the cover and uh, it's kind of cool because uh jeremy robinson one of my favorite science fiction uh authors i went back and before we came on the show today and i was uh looking at some of his covers and i'm like wow he must put some major major money into this because some of them like even the comments in uh there's a facebook group of uh of of kind of his favorite fans and uh they, they say that every cover cover gets better than the last one so uh again matters to the vision the vision you know the sighted community right but to us maybe not so much but now it's kind of coming well, to the forefront, and I really like
2: I think that. that's why, because we have the screeners, we have the technology to put that in front of us, where before, you picked up a book, and the most we might notice is something about the shape, the size of it, or whatever. The 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 authors are obviously going to still, for advertising the book, um, still have to make that front matter, that cover, that's all part of the package. What I would wonder... Ryan, in that sense, is getting somebody or, or, you know, whether you're using Be My Eyes or, or something like that, somebody to describe the actual hard copy or the book, because I'm sure even when you talk different sizes of books, I wonder if there's differences, color differences, if, uh, if a soft cover version of the book, you know, there's so many tabletop book versus, you know, the full novel of a book and, and different things like that. I don't know how different the artwork is. Versus now posting that stuff online, which makes us get that um, AI description or whatever it might be—the alt text that tells you and, and intrigues us, because I'm—I know as collectors, people who would collect stuff, they'll say, "Hey, I want this version of the book because," and, and you'd get that with you know, Billy and I were talking about albums earlier, different albums and different CDs.
4: See I was thinking video games like they'll put out a limited right. edition and it's like okay there's only 200 of this cover or whatever and I'm I'm wondering if that's kind of the next step right because let's face it audiobooks are just not for the visually impaired community anymore right they're pretty mainstream so I think in a sense the authors the the publishers the the marketing teams are are getting that right as well so it's like hey it's not just the our blind folks that are that are reading these books and listening to them. Now it's pretty mainstream. It's like, we need to entice people with their eyes. Let's make the, and I think that the covers are getting a little bit more attention and I think they're going to wind up going into, oh, there's, you know, 55 downloads of this special edition or however many, and you know what you get the, the, this cover instead of that one or access to something kind of thing. And I, I believe that is kind of where we're heading because just when you think the the marketing team for every publishing company has kind of hit its limit and they're running out of ideas, they come up with the most crazy idea, and and they're usually pretty pretty darn awesome, right? So I I really like uh, where this is heading, and I I love the alt text, I love the accessibility because it's it's cool to have that diversity and inclusion into your your work and into your social media posts and things like that. But it's it's really really cool to see kind of the evolution of the audiobook, right? Because even like five years ago, like this wasn't a concern. And I believe we've talked about uh, Neil Gaiman and everybody, you know, doing the the audio autographs, right? It's not so much, hey, get your audio book signed anymore. It's like, here's a special, hey, Ryan, you bought my book. Thank you so much. This is Neil Gaiman and blah, blah, blah kind of thing, right? So you get that kind of recording too. It's really, some of the things are just unbelievable what's coming out.
2: Be interesting, too, when those signatures can be on that artwork that you can retrieve as you buy it. You know, when it comes down, if you pay the extra for that signed copy, if there's so many available things that they can do digitally shortly or can now, really. But I stop and think, as you mentioned earlier, at one point uh, I always say refer to them as talking books because that's what they were when they were created for us. There wasn't that need to worry about front matter uh, or anything like those details on the covers. But you do wonder, as we move into this not being something just for the low vision blind me, it's mainstream, I often wonder how much the blind community is even thought about or the print-restricted community now because this is such a huge business. If this is just something that, that is accessible to us because technology now for websites makes it so, makes it built in, To what is set up to be compliant, like you know, I don't know how much anyone's even remotely thinking about. um, Oh well, we want to make sure that our accessible audience, because I don't the accessible audience, the low vision blind audience is tiny now compared to the overall.
4: And you have to wonder how much the marketing and the artist team and and all the graphics team is looking at how much time are we spending on this and. You know, it's for a small, like you said, small portion of the of the audiobook community. It's not really for the majority anymore. And it's, yeah because uh, th- that does happen from time to time. And I hope it, uh, it in other industries um, with things too. So I'm hoping that you know, even with like the graphic novels where we're making um, you know comic books uh, more accessible, right? very visual media, but now it's it's coming into being more accessible through screen readers and and that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that it sticks. I'm hoping it doesn't take the, the turn to negative town, right? And we actually go and, and and have the accessibility that that we're striving towards and just keep moving towards it, right? Because the conversations are happening. The, the accessibility is kind of out there. It's just let's keep it up and let's not get complacent.
2: Let's just keep it built right into everything that goes on. And it just happens to work that way because that's just the way we build the websites and so on. Thanks, pal.
4: Have a great weekend, everybody.
2: Ryan Huey joins us every Friday on Kelly and Company. We call it the Chatty Bookshelf, and we get into all sorts of conversations. He brings the latest news and lots of thought-provoking discussion to regarding our audiobooks as we get ready to settle on back for the weekend and take in your books. Coming up next, let's revisit and weigh in on uh, conversations from the past week. Matt Agnew is going to join me for that. This will include a few segments that we talk about from this past week on the program. It's called Cut for Time. Stay tuned. One of the other ways you can take in the program is to check out the Kelly & Company podcast. Please simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. You can listen to the show in segment form. We'll talk about a few of those segments shortly. Just stick with us. Or you can listen to the show in its complete version. We toss on an audio vanity card. I Continue the conversation about some of the front matter. I talk a little bit today about albums. We've talked already about vinyl earlier. And about the uh, co- the covers for CDs just some of my own personal experiences and thoughts. Do that on the audio vanity card, tacked onto the end of the Complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. So if you would, folks, check it out. No matter how you consume the show, we're always glad to have you on board. Kelly McDonald here. I'm in the London, Ontario home studio. I'm Agnew waiting over there. We're going to have a chat a little bit about some of the segments from the show this week, but to kick things off, I want to talk about uh, Monday's show. Uh, we had Jay's Care executive Robert Wichell with us, and we were talking about Roy Holiday Field, Toronto's first fully accessible baseball field.
0: I was at the opening of the uh, Miracle Field in uh, in Ottawa, wow. and uh, one of the fathers of uh, the athletes who were who was there to help us open the field uh, came up to me, and uh, he said, "You know." Uh, of all my kids uh my son who uses a wheelchair uh loves baseball the most he knows the most about baseball and yet he has not had the opportunity to play mm. and uh he was in tears when he was telling me the story and he said my it was so wonderful to see him uh you know for the opening we we got the kids uh blue jays jerseys and he put on a jersey and he was finally part of a team instead of watching his siblings uh play um, from the sidelines. And so uh, that's really what we're going for. And what we've noticed with this program, what we're finding is that this becomes a, a network for families, it becomes a network um, uh, not only for the the kids, but the adults and kids can have uh, great relationships, but they also learn um, some of those life lessons that you learn uh, from, from playing on a team.
2: Robert mentioned the field in Ottawa. And I remember watching uh, AMI This Week's story on it, and I, I mentioned that. And, you know, it really took me, when I watched the father talk about it and heard the words, because I used to think about so many times, no matter what things I was trying to do, that my parents... Would have been those people who advocated, who would have been the first people that, man, they would have been out there turning over the soil to build said field if they, if they knew such a thing was going to exist to give me a chance to play baseball or do something that they knew a sport or or anything. And it, it's not just sport. Jay's care does so much taking care of, of a lot of this stuff. It's important to them. Um, I think what I really enjoyed about the conversation is we were able to have it on a level, and I, I hope a lot of you who who heard the whole segment, if you haven't had a chance, please do check it out via the podcast, whether you're a sports fan or not. But I think it's that... Where we get to, and we talked to Matthew about this the other day about the judo. It isn't so much the sport; it isn't so much the the physical activity, health wise. We're not going to debate that. It gets getting out in that fresh air and having fun, but it also is just what Robert said: that sibling being forced to just watch their siblings vicariously go through that part of the activity, that involvement of said sport activity, that 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 the siblings are able to do just like that. But what work would it take, if at all, for this 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 sibling to be able to do it? And again, obviously, there's always an example of something that we are trying so hard these days to make accessible. And I know there's probably, a, you know, when Jay's Care started doing so much of the work, and I mentioned Roy Halliday during the segment because he would have just totally appreciated it. His wife, Randy, very involved with Jay's Care back in the days of being, you know, here in Toronto and and being so... I think proud of what they do. Uh, other players, their the, the wives um, and family members get involved and you really like to see that. Um, and I'm sure individual players have their own charities that do funding, but I, I digress. I really wanted to touch base on this because for me, literally on a field, that would have been something that I can only imagine and it makes me feel so good because when I hear of a parent so overjoyed, so overwhelmed like the father in Ottawa, like I'm sure many were in Toronto when that field opened and and parents got to see their their kids participate. It brings me back to that, to my parents, and how wonderful these advocates for individuals are, and we all need them. We all need that person in our corner, and we're darn lucky because unfortunately not everybody has that, whether it's a mom or dad, whether it's a supportive family or an understanding family. Um, you do have to get it of what it might mean. You do have to remember what it was like for you to be able to achieve something, do something that was important. You hope to goodness that you haven't forgot that because if you're in that situation and you know something is important to that child and it's possible to make it happen, I can tell you the feeling is tremendous. I've worked with theater. I've worked with people who never thought they could do theater due to their their physical disability or other circumstances, and they've had a chance to finish doing a play production and their family members come to greet them afterward in tears. Oh, not because, oh, I never thought you could do this because you don't have the talent to act or to run a base on baseball or, or even conceive the game. It's because the venue for you before wasn't there. It is now. And we're darn lucky because, unfortunately, for a lot of people, we're not there yet where everybody can, can live out some of these, these dreams and I think we all know how important it is to, to live out the dreams and really fedora's off to Jay's Care for making these fields that are popping up more and more available because uh, I, I don't even, I hope the people involved with Jay's Care, the Blue Jays, people donating, w- know that their money is going to absolutely make dreams happen. Really wonderful time, Robert. Thank you for, for being with us on the show and enlightening us uh, on the subject, Matt. It was tremendous.
9: Yeah, you know, I really love to see this because uh, growing up, um, you, you know, I, I may be Team Rumya where you know I'm, I'm not a huge <laughs> sports fan, but I'll, I'll tell you what, Kelly, like I had the chance to try out just about every sport out there. I tried a couple of seasons of basketball, a couple of hockey and badminton and tennis and volleyball. Uh, I did quite a few, and and just having that opportunity to dabble, um, you know. Uh, was was really important, I think, um, to find something that I liked, or or to come to the conclusion that I did that I, I'm not that big on sports, but that's okay. But but just extending that opportunity to everyone, and it, honestly, it's it doesn't seem that hard, you know, like a little investment, a little planning. Yeah. Um. It it really shouldn't be a sensational thing to be announcing fully accessible parks and uh baseball fields and, and things like that. Um it just just takes a little forethought and a little creativity and and a little money. Um but yeah, I, I think everyone really needs to have that chance to just dabble in and see what uh works for them. And and of course, like Robert mentioned, you know, just just learning those lessons that come with sport because whether or not you're a big uh fan watching every game or, or just someone who had a chance to play when they were a kid, um, there are a lot of those life lessons that come along with with mm. being a team player, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to get in on this uh, food affordability chat that you and Jeffy were having uh, just ah, earlier ah. today. So uh, here's a quick recap of one of Jeff's tips, which was always shop with a
5: plan. I can tell you, Kelly, it is not a good idea to to shop without a list or some sort of plan because uh, it will start fights if you're with a, a friend or a family member or your spouse or whoever it may be, just from personal experience. I've wandered around grocery stores for an hour or two trying to figure things out. It is so frustrating to uh, go shopping without a plan. And I always, always, always make sure that I have a pl- primarily a list that I keep on my phone Uh, and so I always make that list probably the morning of if I'm going in the afternoon or sometimes the night before, um, obviously put down what you need. And then of course you can freestyle it while you're there. If you're grocery shopping and you see something that's on sale and it looks appealing to you and it's within your budget by all means, freestyle it that way, but make sure you at least have some sort of foundation and have some sort of plan or idea what you want to do. So
9: for me, this really hit home because I have been feeling—I don't know about you, Kelly—but every time I go grocery shopping, I've just been feeling like this this grocery store dread, and it comes from—I I don't know what I'll call the Good Place paradox. And if if you've seen that show, it's it's NBC's comedy series starring uh, Kristen Bell, um, and the, the the idea behind that show is that nobody is going to heaven for some reason because of just the way the world is set up it's you you just can't score enough points and i've been feeling this when it comes to my food experience lately and in particular grocery shopping because you read all these articles and jeffy brings these great you know lifestyle and health uh articles to talk about and um you hear things like uh eat less processed stuff i'm like well Mm -hmm. that's great i'm on board with that but you know what that that takes more time and okay, well, I'll, I'll get around that with grocery delivery. And, oh, well, Costco's got a huge, you know, <laughs> hidden markup on uh, all their online delivery stuff. Um, you know, you, you hear other stuff like, go vegan, it's good for the environment, good for you. Okay, I'm on board, you know, I want to do that. Oh, but then my wife has uh, has allergies and the baby has, um, has intolerances and, you know, things like that. So, okay, that makes it kind of hard to go, even though I've been working on my culinary skills and uh, increasing the repertoire I have of, uh, plant forward recipes. I just can't cook that way 100% of the time. Or, uh, you know, you hear buy local, support the farmers and stuff like that. Have you been to a farmer's market lately, Kelly? I don't know if it's like this in London, but in Newmarket, you go to the farmer's market to support the farmers, which is great. And you are paying more than at any premium grocery store in town. And so it's it's a little too high cost for me to be supporting the farmers uh, out of my own pocket. and, and then there's tips like, you know, shop the sales and stock up, but uh, not everyone has that extra freezer in the basement. And here's another Jeffy thing does. about that too. Jeffy does. Yes, he's uh, very proud of his big <laughs> chest freezer. Um, I have a half-sized chest freezer, so I can do a little bit, but not everyone has one of those, especially folks in the city. Um, and uh, here's the other thing about that as well. You know, everyone has heard the phrase, I'm sure it, it takes money to make money, but it also takes money to save money. You can't always go out to Costco and blow your entire paycheck uh, just to stock up on uh, on sale pork or beef or, or whatever it is. So it it takes money to save money. Sometimes you do have to shop one week at a time and uh uh you you can't really stock up on those great deals. So, you know, I'm, i I feel this paradox of like, you know, we hear all these great ideas and yet there seems to be some kind of drawback that or or something that holds you back from really participating in those. Um, especially with my cooking style, I really enjoy like freestyle cooking. So I will tend to just stock the fridge and the cupboards. I won't necessarily have a plan like Jeff said. Um, but I just like to go off the cuff and, and kind of cook what I feel like cooking. And I think I have a little bit of a debilitating need for variety, uh, I, I want to have what I feel like at the time. So making a plan is kind of hard for me. But what my wife and I have, have started to do is a little bit like a, I don't know, a camp meal plan. I remember eating this way when I went to summer camp as a kid. Um, and the kitchen there would just have like a four-week rotating schedule. So uh, every fourth week you're having, you know, burgers on Monday and tacos on Tuesday, you know. And and I think for me that's like where the acceptable line of of variety is for me. Um, but also still having that plan and that that grocery list you can go back to, and um, y- you know I, I think it does a little bit uh, limit the sales that you can you, you know shop in the sales because you need those certain ingredients to keep up with the meal plan. But uh, shopping according to a plan is definitely uh, a good tip. But for me, that added, that added variety, the rotating meal plan, uh, was was really helpful. The other thing um, as well that he sort of touched on there in your segment earlier today um, was, was shopping in season. Um, and, uh, I wanted to shout out Kitchen Confession because recently, uh, they just had an episode with uh, an author, Deirdre Burek, uh, who wrote Peak Season. Um, and it's a whole book, uh, organized by month about everything that's in season. Um, and when you shop that way, it's not only better. Deirdre says that, um, her cooking, got a lot better and she had to put a lot less effort into it because everything's just more flavorful and better and easier to cook with but it's also cheaper when things are in season and in demand um you'll never pay more for you know asparagus i think than the middle of the summer uh where where it's you know i think in peak season in the spring early spring yeah yeah. um but but yeah you kind of meal planning around what's in season will will tend to go a long way to save you money
2: You're making me think of the residential school food format uh, based off of the Canadian Food Guide. So there you go. Welcome to that with the four-week rotation. Um, I think ours was a three month rotation though, or something like that at the school (laughs) but that's what it totally reminds me of and I know for myself someone who does try to be conscious because of being a big guy I kind of like now just being bored with food and I have enough of a supply of things to have but I'm like you I need that kind of rotation of food that's for sure I I don't want to sit there get stuck I want to make sure I try to balance out with the meat the fish the whatever it's going to be so that I'm doing what I can but I also don't want to make it that thing that I'm so excited I'm going to have this and that and, and go out and spend that kind of time because I've, I've got too much watching to do. On Monday's show, we were also, or uh, was it Monday? Monday? Yeah, I think so. Right. We've been hearing a lot about monkey, monkey monkeypox of late uh, folks, Uh, Wednesday, excuse me. So our registered nurse, Leslie DePoe was with us on, on Wednesday's show to give us some answers. Here she is giving the difference between the endemic and uh, pandemic spread of a virus.
1: So a pandemic, which is what we keep hearing with COVID, so a pandemic, that's when a disease's growth is exponential. So growth rates skyrocket each day. Cases grow more than the day before. Um, It also means it covers a wide area. So several countries are having this at the same time, several different populations. That's pandemic. An endemic is when something is consistently present, but it's really limited to a particular region. Um, so it kind of makes our, the, the disease spread and the rates of that a little bit more predictable. So malaria is a really good example. That is that is kind of an ongoing thing, but in certain populations, in certain areas of the world. Um, and again, the, the thing about monkeypox that's really interesting is that monkeypox has always been endemic. It has existed in parts of the of the world all the time at very predictable rates and very specific pockets. A lot of that related to the animals that can transmit this virus. What's interesting about what we're seeing right now is that monkeypox has actually moved out of that endemic state. So we're starting to see it in places that don't normally have it, Canada being one of those countries.
2: Absolutely love that she brought it up. I, I often have said we are moving from our pandemic state when it comes to covid to the endemic so this helped me get my more of an understanding too with the medical field as to as to that viewpoint with the example of the monkeypox where it stands now throughout the world and and what's happening um in in that sense when we refer to endemic so i know myself cuz a lot of time people get really bothered if you say well we're coming out of the pandemic of covid or we are that covid's over that and, and no, we don't no no it's not Um, it's that understanding, then what phase are we in that managing it, that knowing and recognizing it's still in the world. Yeah, it seems to be pretty well throughout the whole world, um, more places than the monkeypox, but seeming it as an endemic as well, whether it's now or becoming that or will be um, as we see the flu and things like that are, it's very interesting because I know we want to hear that different way of, of saying it. We want to view it in, in that different way. So folks, thanks a lot for being with us for cut for time. I thank Matt Agnew for joining me, uh, coming up in just a moment. We'll visit with Brock Richardson, see what's happening over there in his world, the world of the neutral zone, as we stand by for their program in about 10 minutes. We'll be right back with more on Kelly and company. Thanks for being with us, folks. Remember, check out the Kelly and Company podcast whenever you can. Subscribe using your favorite podcaster. You can also, while you're in there, subscribe to Now with Day Brown. That's our morning show. Check them out, too, available as a podcast. They'd appreciate, like us, a rating and review. And so would the gang over there at the Neutral Zone. If you can't stick around for their show, do the same thing, folks. Subscribe. Get a whole lineup because there's tons of AMI-audio uh, podcasts available and waiting for you. Uh, speaking of the neutral zone, look at that guy over there in Kitchener, Ontario. Do you guys have one of those accessible uh, fields at all, to your knowledge, like the Roy Halliday Field in Toronto, Brock?
8: We don't have an accessible field, to my knowledge, but we do have lots of accessible parks where you can get onto the bridge. Obviously, can't go down the slide in my wheelchair, but they are, they are making it more accessible so that you can join nieces, nephews, children, things like that. And the thing that caught my attention, Kelly, with when you guys were talking about Holiday Field was that, you know, growing up, all my friends were playing sledge hockey, wheelchair basketball, all of those sports, and none of which I could participate in, given my limitations. So I love the fact that these fields are inclusive, all abilities and all levels of disability to be able to make this inclusive because kids want to play in sports that they know their idols play in. And and I just think this is a great idea and such a wonderful thing to name it after Roy Halliday, who was obviously a sensation here in Toronto and Canada.
2: Yeah, very much so. But it, it, you do make a great point, too, because even of, of the accessible sports, you start feeling, well, I'm not really interested in that one or that one. You know, gosh, I wish this one was more adaptable. Or we had that here, as I was saying the other day about beatball so big down in the U.S., but not up here in Canada, something that I've always thought, oh, gosh, I'd like to play. I mean, I'm running around now, I would, you know, I'm too out of shape, but I can still go there and at least stand around and look pretty. Um, you know, but but it, it's something that you feel kind of pushed into maybe something you're not so into. Um, when you get the opportunity to do so,
8: but and talking- it's easier to re- it's easier to relate to a sport that everyone can connect to. If right, you say, oh, I participate in bocce. People go, give me that one again. How, what is that one like? <laughs> Whereas if everyone says wheelchair basketball, it's easy to kind of connect to. So.
2: Yeah, and I uh, think I, with beatball, it looks a lot like baseball, which is it's close, it, what, it, what it's to resemble and what it's to be an opportunity for people to play that. Um, Sir, so yes. I've got a little short of time here, on you, and I don't want to sell you short. Uh, what's coming up on the Neutral Zone?
8: We have a big announcement coming up today. Uh, Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank, will be uh, joining us for that announcement. We're also going to be talking about the World Junior Hockey Championships and Terry... Tara Giannis will be joining us, who's been one of the busiest parasport sport wheelchair basketball players that I know of. as She's coming off of two back-to-back gold medal uh, wins in just under three weeks' time. So she'll wow. be joining us, and, cool. and then we'll, we'll dissect uh, Serena Williams and her retirement as well, and how will she be remembered in her legacy.
2: Okay, well, we talked about that on the roundtable yesterday. Uh, amazing content as well We from the Commonwealth Games and, and wheelchair basketball. Uh, we had a discussion with Fern about the Commonwealth Games yesterday. So kind of covering off a lot of great things, in, including our, our, our Royal Holiday Field. Andy Frank showing up. Sounds definitely like something involving programming. And when you say good news... Hmm, folks you want to stick around you don't want to miss that Brock will be back with me to talk sports on Monday's show appreciate it Brock have a good show you can check out the neutral zone right after Kelly and Company today at 4pm Eastern Time they're also as mentioned available as a podcast I thank Matt Agnew today for working with me on Cut for Time and uh, Bill Shackleton for giving us a little extra time on the program too producers for this show Jeff Ryman Rumya Muth and Marianne Dion Jones our technical producer is uh, said gentleman there Matt Agnew and we also acknowledge and thank Grace Schofield for helping out, too, when she's able to and being with us for the show. Uh, Paula Denine is our AMI-audio technical supervisor, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Take care of yourself, folks. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. We'll be back here Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern time for another edition of Kelly & Company. Now, get out of here, will you? When you talk about artwork on, well, I'm going to go back a ways here, folks. I apologize. So when you talk about it on albums and CDs, things like that from the past, and when I used to actually be more of a collector, and and certainly not a large collector, I certainly did not have my records stacked on racks by the hundreds. <laughs> you know, it it was something I like certain things i picked them up and i had them and some of the stuff i had was worth a little bit of something but i'm one of those people who wanted to play them and use them as we were speaking with jeff rainey about about his car collection he had them not to collect and sell later or never to touch them but to keep the value and leave them in their packaging no i wanted to play these albums but on the subject of artwork didn't mean a lot to me. Now I could see better then, so I could at least identify the albums as I searched through by picking up and saying, "Oh, that's this and that one because I can see the picture on it." Don't know if I could necessarily tell you what the picture was. It was more the shapes of it, but on that level the artwork was valuable to me. When I started to deal with CDs, I didn't really conceive the artwork. It wasn't a a forethought. And when I would talk to people about packaging of CDs, some people would take them out of the jewel cases and put them in, um, you know, some kind of storage that was easier, especially as you started to get those decks that could play multiple discs. You know, first we had the five-disc changer, but other people had these ones were almost like a CD jukebox. As a matter of fact, lots of jukeboxes played that way. So the question would be asked, well, what are you doing with the artwork? And when I'd hear people ask this of people, I'd, what do you mean? What do you... What do you care about? And it dawned on me. And I I wasn't in a position to be throwing away my jewel cases. I needed them. But I certainly didn't really worry if any of the artwork got mixed up, if the liner ended up in some other case or something like that, because it was no really good to me. The only reason I would do that is if I hadn't put Braille on the jewel case and I still needed someone to, hey, man, which one is this? If I was in a hurry, as opposed to just popping them in. Oh, wrong disc. So it's it's very interesting because my concept of the artwork too, it it didn't really matter. Now, if someone explained it, or I was listening to an interview and they were talking about it, oh, of course, very fascinating the thought that went into it and all the all the information. But never was a person who, other than just being able to identify a disc or an album, was I engaged at that time in the.
7: I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast Tripping on Air.